Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Little Light Devotions. How on earth is it already May? That doesn't even make any sense to me. It feels like I blinked, not even like fully blinked, just like went halfway with my blink, and the year is already basically almost over. It's been an incredible year. It's been incredibly chaotic, but it's still been good. And I've been super privileged to see all that God has done in my life and the lives of others. And I know that God will continue to do even more. Recently, we had a dinner and kind of, I don't know, we'd call it like a hangout fellowship. That's the word. Uh, A dinner and a fellowship with other individuals from Charm City Church. If you're in the Baltimore area and you're looking for a church to attend on Wednesday evenings, feel free to come join us. Wednesday evenings starting June 7th uh, in Abingdon. If you want more information about it, go to c3abingdon.com and you can see all the information concerning Charm City Church. I'm super excited to be part of it. I am over connections, so we're over things like, you know, the serving and making sure people feel welcome and things like that. I know that this is where God has me to be right now, and that's just all by his faithfulness. That's all by his faithfulness. I've not really done too much. I've just kind of sat back and watched God work. But that's the thing. You sit back and watch God work, and you can really be surprised as to where you can go. The issue is when you start trying to take things into your own hands. When you start trying to manipulate and mold things to the way you want them to be, it can create a lot of problems. I'm in this uh, version plan with a bunch of other guys, and we're reading through the Bible in a year. And a few weeks ago, we were in Isaiah chapter 30. And the way it started out, it just hit me like a bunch of bricks. So it starts off, Isaiah chapter 30, Woe to the rebellious children. This is the Lord's declaration. They carry out a plan, but not mine. They make an alliance, but against my will, piling sin on top of sin. Without asking my advice, they set out to go down to Egypt in order to seek shelter under Pharaoh's protection and take refuge in Egypt's shadow. But Pharaoh's protection will become your shame, and refuge in Egypt's shadow your humiliation. For though his princes are at Zoan and his messengers reach as far as Hanes, everyone will be ashamed because of a people who can't help. They are of no benefit, they are of no help, they are good for nothing but shame and disgrace. Now I know here on LLD we try to keep it generally pretty positive, you know, that's the the intention I have behind this podcast. But not everything in the Bible is 100% positive. And we need to accept that, recognize that, and see what we can do with it. For historical context, this was back when the Israelites moved back into their land. They moved back uh, from exile. And while they were there, they were under threat. I believe this was the Assyrians they were under threat by. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think it entirely matters. They were under some type of threat. And so they started reaching out to the Egyptians for an alliance for protection. Now, this was directly against God's commands because if Israel got tied in with the Egyptians, God knew that the Israelites were going to start adopting a lot of sinful practices the Egyptians had and that would push the Israelites further and further away from God. So God was warning them not to do this, but they didn't listen. They didn't care. They did their own thing. Just in these few verses alone, we can see a lot of practical application for us. Remember, when you're reading stuff like this in the Old Testament, or even reading throughout most of the Bible, 
You have to recognize that the Bible was not written to you, but it was written for you. All right, you are not the Israelites. Assyria is not coming to, to conquer you, but there are practical things that we can look at to pull from the text. So when he says, woe to the rebellious children, you can look at that and be like, this is telling you you got to obey your parents because woe to the rebellious children. Sure, you can take that all day long. The Bible does have other areas where it says children are to be submissive and obedient to their parents and to honor them and all these things. Yeah, that's wonderful. But that's not what it's talking about. God's talking about his children, the Israelites. Now, it's my personal belief that the Israelites, you know, Today, I, not the Israelites today, the Israelis, however they, however we're choosing to call them. Um, I believe God still has a plan for the nation of Israel that we have today. There are some that denounce the modern nation of Israel as being actually tied to the ancient Israelites. And that's personal prerogative, personal interpretation about certain things. I believe that modern Israel has a role to play in God's redemptive future. But we as the church as the Bible says, we're grafted into that plan of God that he had for the Israelites. We were grafted into that plan. So we are God's children. It's not just to the nation of Israel. It's now to the church, all those who believe in God's name. So we are part of this rebellious children. But what makes you a part of this rebellious children? What makes you a rebellious child when it comes to the eyes of God? Well, verse number one says they carry out a plan, but not mine. How many times have you brought a plan to God? Or did you just start doing it whenever you felt like it? 100% I have done the latter on many occasions. I am actually super impulsive when it comes to a lot of things. It's one thing my wife cautions me about all the time because I get really excited very easily. And I'm just like, I gotta, I gotta do this right now. And then I just jump on it and I just go. And I have been saved many a heartbreak and many a dollar uh, by my wife because she's like, hey, let's think about this for like more than a nanosecond. And it's usually turned out good in my favor. But typically, I'm still just kind of reasoning within myself, reasoning within my heart, reasoning within my own mind. And God has given us such a wonderful mind. And when you are saved, your heart's affections are turned towards God's, at least to a modicum of a degree. But that doesn't mean that we are perfectly able to guide ourselves on our own, even after being saved, even after decades of sanctification. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. And there's no shame in any of that. But we have to take that reality of we're not perfect. We're not ever going to be perfect. And put that in perspective of God's plans for us. All right, we might recognize that God has plans for us, but... As Christians, sometimes we try to iron them out ourselves. All right, God has called me to, to be in the ministry, and so I'm going to go and I'm going to study and put my mental effort in and go all the way and all these things. Yeah, that's wonderful. But if that whole process is not filled with communication with God via prayer, wow, you're really putting yourself in a handicap. You're really putting yourself in a disadvantage because the only way to live a truly fruitful Christian life is by bathing it in prayer. And I'm speaking to myself here. I 100% struggle with this. 100%. Um, for those of you who do not know, I read audiobooks as a means of income, which I mean, like, you know, having a podcast reading audiobooks. I certainly hope you guys like the sound of my voice. And I just did one 
on prayer. It's called God Help Me. Now, the author is still reviewing over the files I've sent him, so it's I don't think the audiobook is available now, but the book is available on Amazon, God Help Me. Take a take a copy and read it. Um, it comes from a Catholic background, and I am staunchly not Catholic. But for those of you that are Catholic, or for those of you that, and you know, just my opinions can chew out the meat, spit out the bones. I think it was a really, really good book about prayer. I think it was a really, really good book about focusing your mind towards prayer, and it was kind of all bathed in scripture as well. The Israelites, they were carrying out a plan, but it wasn't God's. And they would have known that if they were taking their plans and their thoughts and their actions, delivering them to God. God, what do you think? God, what do you, what do you want? Uh, a place that really practically this fit into my life recently was, um, my wife and I, we, uh, we, we both recently got, um, she got a pay increase. I got a different job with a pay increase. So we're looking at having more money this upcoming financial year. Now with that, we were looking at buying a house, a house, um, right outside of Baltimore County into Southern Harford County. And as we were looking at that house, we were like, well, it fits in our budget. The inside looks renovated and new. The area is a little sketch, but hey, you know, you get what you get. And we were just kind of looking. We were like, you know what? We're not making any commitments. We are just going to um, get pre-approved for a loan just in case we like it and ends up working out. And then we're going to schedule a tour for the house. So we go and get pre-approved for a loan. We schedule the house tour and everything. Well, the day of the tour comes, I'm at my job. I teach at uh, a Christian academy in northern Baltimore County. And I was at my job, and I get this call from Zillow. I was like, all right, whatever. So I open I pick up the phone. I'm just like, hey, what's up? They're like, yeah, yeah, so we got some crazy news. That house that uh, you said you wanted a a tour with, uh, it burned down. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, then I guess I'll see you all when I see you all. And, you know, that was a time where I felt like I took something to God. I asked him for an answer, and he clearly gave me an answer. He didn't answer no. He said, absolutely not. It was a, the most staunch no I think I've ever heard from God in my life. And you know what? That's okay. I brought something to God because I wanted him to give me his honest answer of what he felt. I don't want God to sugarcoat things for me or to lead me down a path that just makes my feelings feel good. I want to do something that will actually be the most beneficial to the task he's given me in this life. The task I believe God has given all of us is to preach the gospel to every creature. The ending of the book of Mark says that. Go preach the gospel to every creature. That's what our goal is. Now, God might take that goal in your life and weave it differently than how he did in my life. All right, my mother-in-law, she is a wonderful, wonderful teacher, and she's been teaching for decades upon decades. I went through less than a year of teaching, and I am about ready to jump off a bridge. I really do not. I'm really not cut out for teaching and dealing with kids all day. That's not my cup of tea. But for some people, it is. And I was able to share the gospel day in and day out with kids. I say was. I still am. I still have like a month left of school. Um, But every single day I share the gospel with these kids day in and day out. But I know this is not what God has for me in the long run. But it was because of my faithfulness and obedience of going to the Christian school that I teach at. The faithfulness I had in taking a job that I knew I didn't want. The staff knew I didn't want. God knew I didn't want. 
but I knew he was leading me there. And in obedience, I took that job. And because I did, I was able to run into my pastor, Michael Euphemio. I, I ran into him. I knew him for a while before that. But I ran into him right in a time in his life where he was saying, like, you know, God's telling me to plant a church. And then my wife and I prayed. He's telling us to help him plant this church. And then now all the all the puzzle pieces are falling into place because with patience, I waited and I took my plans to God. But if you try to carry out a plan that does not come from God, but it comes from your own devices, man, man, what a problem that can cause. And we look at something and we're like, oh, that's against God's will. And we're thinking of like, I don't know, some like heinous crime or some huge problem or whatever. But going against God's will can even be something that like, it's a good thing, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons or you're doing it under the wrong guidance. The Israelites were concerned about their preservation. They're like, God said he's going to preserve us. So we're going to do that by working with the Egyptians. Well, God says, yeah, you can do that. Sure. But that's exactly the opposite of what I told you to do. I told you to not ever enter an alliance with the Egyptians. And that's what you did. He says in verse one, they make an alliance but against my will, piling sin on top of sin. Even though your goals and your intentions might be good, you know that saying, "Hell was the road to hell was paved with good intentions? People have good intentions. People have good hearts. Now, technically the Bible says that all of our hearts are evil. Heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Yes. Uh, but people have consciences, morality, and even Christians. Even Christians who have had their heart changed and now we have a good heart, a righteous heart because of the deed of Christ, we can still make bad decisions, but with good intentions. And we can do things that are just straight up against God's will. And then what we do is we pile sin on top of sin because all sin, sin is not like great moral failure. Great moral failure is a, uh, is a byproduct of sin, but sin in and of itself, is missing the mark. It's going outside of what God wants. So when we sit there and look at sin of just being like, oh, there are these evil actions that I can take. Well, sure, those can be a result of sin, but the sin in and of itself is not giving something to God and letting him direct that action. You can still do a good action, and it can be sinful because it's not in the will of God. Verse number two Without asking my advice, they set out to go down to Egypt in order to seek shelter under Pharaoh's protection and take refuge in Egypt's shadow. How many times have you done something where you ended up leaning on something else besides God, even if the intention was to like serve God in it, right? I see this actually a lot with younger Christians. And I mean younger Christians, not as in um, like literally physically younger, but younger in spirituality, um, these younger Christians will walk into a church, they're trying to get right with God, and they will lean heavily on the pastor. They will lean heavily on another person, another faithful believer, uh, whatever. They'll lean so heavily that when that person has some moral failure, it doesn't have to be like a great moral failure, like the pastor slept with someone else or whatever. It can just be some drama happens, feelings get hurt, words get said, you know, life happens with humans. And they look at that and they just kind of give up on the whole God thing because they were leaning so much on something else. But the problem is they were hurt by the church or by a Christian, but they weren't hurt by Christ. And this is what the Israelites are setting themselves up for. 
God, you told us that you're going to protect us. God, you told us that you're going to, you're going to help us. And so, uh, in order to like have that happen, we're going to work with the Egyptians. And God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I told you you shouldn't be doing that. They're going to lead you down a path of apostasy. You do that. I'm going to bring judgment to you. So that's exactly what God does. God brings judgment to them. And then I'm sure, you know, like, I, I can't have a verse, I don't have a chapter and verse of where the Israelites might have said this, but I guarantee someone in ancient Israel was saying, God, you you told us, you told us you protect us, you told us you help us. Where is it now? Where is it now? God, you said you love me. God, you said you were real. God, you said you were full of, you know, righteousness and judgment and all these things, but your own followers are doing all these terrible things. Where are you now? With this kind of thing, when we set up a chair that God did not build, you know, why are we surprised when it falls when we sit in it? We're not building our life with all the knowledge and with all the care that God will build our life. So why are we surprised when it doesn't hold up and why do we blame God? Yes, God said he protect the Israelites and he did. The Israelites exist today. But because of their constant rebellion, God had to chastise them. That's why the Bible says that God um, corrects those that he loves. All right, I'm not a parent. I'm not a parent by any means. But I am a teacher. I am a teacher. And uh, despite what some of my students may say, I do love them dearly. I do love them. And even though I just got up, you know, just like a few minutes ago, I was just like, man, teaching is not for me. It's not. It's not for me. But I do love these kids. But that means that if I do love them and I want them to succeed and I want them to learn manners and I want them to do all this stuff, I'm going to have to correct them. I'm going to have to correct them in some way, shape or form. And they might not get it right then and there, but it's because of the stepping out of line. It's because of the sin that I have to bring that correction. That's what God did with the Israelites because the Israelites were seeking something or someone else under besides God. Verse number three, but Pharaoh's protection will become your shame and refuge in Egypt's shadow, your humiliation. You think and you're like, why, why would that be the case? Why would that be the case? Well, as we're looking back on this thousands of years later, we're looking at the Israelites and seeing their faith waver in God. We're looking at the Israelites and seeing how much they have rejected God by doing this. They threw out God's word. They threw out God's command. Don't, you know, bed yourselves with Egypt. Don't do that. Don't once again give yourself over to the yoke of slavery that I brought you out of. But they do it over and over and over again. And we're looking at that and we're going, oh my goodness, why? That should bring shame to the people. It should bring humiliation to the people. But as much as we want to sit there and point the fingers at the Israelites for doing that, we do the same thing. We try to find our protection and our comfort in so many other things except God. We try to find our comfort and food. That's one thing that I really struggled with. If you follow me on Instagram, at Little Light Devo on Instagram, uh, I had a I posted a reel of talking about gluttony. You know, I started a little I started a little real series of uh, sin people don't really like to talk about. And the first episode I did was about gluttony. And gluttony is a huge problem in the American church. 
The reason why people do it, though, I think, is because they're using food as a coping mechanism instead of dealing with their problems or taking them to God. And it's not just food that it happens with. It happens with things like pornography. All right, people use it as a means of coping. People use things like video games. Now, look, I, I, I love video games. I'm a big gamer. But if I, 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 I catch myself sometimes doing it to relieve myself of stress during long, hard days rather than taking it to God. Whether it's working out, reading, all this stuff. If you're doing all these things to try and bring you protection for your feelings, for your heart, for your plans, for all your stuff, and you're not going to God first, that's going to bring shame and humiliation because you have to look on that later in life and be like, wow, how was I so stupid? How was I so stupid? Because like how verse number five says, ultimately, they're of no benefit. They're of no help. They're good for nothing but shame and disgrace. We are so concerned about ourselves. We're so concerned about a pocketbook, how cool we look, all these things, because that's how we measure success in our super capitalistic society. That's how we measure success. The thing is, though, that's not how God measures success at all. The most poor, destitute man could be more successful than the richest mega pastor because that man might have a closer relationship with God. And it's hard to hear that. We don't want to hear that. We like looking at God's favor in a way of, of how humans would express their favor. Things like gift giving, pay. I mean, like you go for work at a job. They really appreciate you. They really like your work. They're going to pay you a decent wage, or at least they should. You are having a good relationship with a person, whether romantically or platonically, you have a good relationship with a the person. They're going to give you gifts, give you time, express feelings of gratitude for you, kind of load you up with things to make your dopamine receptors go off and make you feel good. But sometimes God, in his goodness, does not give us those things that just tickle our brain, but they're actually good for us much better in the long run by helping us with things like our pride or with some other problem that we have that God and his love helps us correct. But the Israelites, instead of recognizing they had a problem with deviating from the word of God and deviating from God's will in their life and allowing God to kind of use the previous exiles and the oppression they were under to chastise them and bring them back to a place of peace, instead of doing that, what they did was they continued steadfast in their stubborn ways. So much so, they relied so much on themselves, they could not even recognize God when he was looking them in the face when Christ came down to earth. There are things in your life that are coming directly from God that sometimes we just don't even recognize because we're too focused on other things except the will of God. And when people usually say that, they're referring to like opportunities and wealth and success. I'm not, I'm not a prosperity gospel kind of guy. I'm not saying that. I'm saying God brings things around in your life that if you're so focused on yourself, you just will not see, just like how the Israelites did here. All right, they, they were trying to carry out their own plan, making alliances against God, God's will, piling sin on top of sin, not asking for God's advice, doing all these other things that just brought shame and humiliation. We do the same thing all the time. If I had just focused on what felt good for me at a job, 
I would have left Pensacola Christian and found any church that would have taken me on as some type of pastor because that's just what I want to do. That's the feeling that I feel on the inside. And yes, that's true. I want just to be a pastor so bad. But the fact that I took on this job as a teacher first introduced me to a ministry that so much more greatly needs me. And now I feel so much more beneficial to Charm City Church than I feel like I could ever feel to any other church that would take me on. Because I brought my plans to God. I brought what I wanted to God and he answered. But there have been times I also haven't and I felt the consequence for it. And you might be in a position like that now. Let me tell you, find time to pray. Spend time in the presence of God. Don't just give God a list of demands and decrees and wants. You don't do that with any other person. Spend time listening for God. Spend time praying and communing with God. Spend time reading his word. Spend time worshiping with his church. Spend time serving him. Doing those things. Focusing your eyes back on the Father and allowing him to change your life than trying to take the message of the gospel and the message of Christianity and force it into areas you want rather than letting the message of the gospel change you to where God wants. It's so much more beneficial for your life. So much more beneficial for your life. And you might not feel it immediately. You might not feel it for many years because Jesus didn't really start feeling the effects of his ministry until he was about 30 years old. I didn't really start feeling the effects of the ministry that I had until several months after teaching, taking this teaching job that I, I really didn't want. All these things point to wait on God. Wait on God. Because when you take a step out of your own willpower, determination, and your own thought process, it's going to bring nothing but shame and humiliation. Like I said, I do like to keep it light on the show. I do like to have some fun, but there are times in the Bible we have to stop and look and be like, wow, is that me? Now, remember, like I said, the Bible wasn't written to you. It was written for you, though. This passage wasn't written to you, but it was written for you, though. Take it and apply it in a way that makes sense best for your life after communing with God about it. Take it, seek counsel on it, and let God make the move. Let God make the move. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Um, if you are interested at all for any type of socials, go to linkapp.com slash AC underscore LL. That's L-I-N-Q-A-P-P dot com slash AC underscore LL. It should be in the description of this episode. You can find access to all my socials there, like my Instagram, if you want to hire me out for any type of, I don't know, voice work or audiobook work or anything like that. If you mention Little Light Devotions in um, your request for audiobook stuff, I'll give you a discount and things like that. Or whatever project you need, it doesn't just have to be audiobook, it could be like YouTube videos, I don't care. I like just talking into a microphone. Thank you guys so much for listening. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next time.